Hello and welcome to the Hypnothesis Podcast. This is your host, Elliot Weisbluth. This podcast was my first attempt ever at recording a podcast. I did it with my kind and gracious friend and roommate, John Lydon. We decided to tackle the topic of cryopreservation. So first, a word from our sponsors. Not just kidding. We don't have any sponsors because we just started and didn't release it yet whatever. Yeah, so in this episode, we talked about cryopreservation. Cryopreservation is the process of cooling a dead body well below the freezing point so that it solidifies, then putting that solidified body into long-term storage with the hopes of one day reviving it. Now, technology as it stands today is not ready to do this, but that doesn't mean that technology in the future won't be able to. And if you have a perfectly preserved body, then who's to say that you won't be able to wake up and live another life, live another 10 years, 20 years, 10 seconds, 20 seconds? Who says you can't do that? Well, this is a kooky sounding practice, but it's something that thousands of people have decided to do. So, my roommate John Lydon and I, in this episode go into the current state of cryopreservation. What's it like? What what does it take to get it done? What does it mean and what are its philosophical implications? Now, the Hypnothesis podcast is largely an interview-based podcast. This episode's going to feel more like a research discussion because initially we thought that that would be the best way to tackle it. It turns out that When you have a full load of classes in graduate school, then there's not a whole lot of time to do long research projects. So mostly as a function of necessity, this podcast morphed throughout the summer into something that's more interview based. However, this discussion here is quite interesting, so I'm still throwing it up, even though it might not necessarily fit in with the common theme. And it won't be the last research based podcast we do. There's going to be more in the future as we find interesting topics and have the time to really dive into them and get our sources straight. But for now, we can consider this to be more of a one-off thing. Well, that being said, welcome to the podcast. Really, time is only experienced by the events which occur within it. And in denying their humanity, we betray our own. No, I won't yield. One of the aspects of God came to the earth, mind you. And look at what's out there. I know. I feel like we're already talking, and I don't want to breach the gap of saying welcome to the podcast. Because it would interrupt our current conversation. I think, you know, after you expressing, you know, that amount of empathy right now, um, I, I feel, you know, I feel open enough to start the podcast. Now, <laughs> okay, you know? okay. I sweet. know we're on the same page. Yeah. All right. In that case, what's up? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to our podcast. We have uh, not named this podcast yet, but uh, welcome to blank 
podcast i'm sure we'll mm-hmm. edit the name of the podcast in yeah there. sure if you're coming in from way in the future and we have a really sick like successful highly produced podcast and this sounds like a garbage can to you you know why we're sitting together sharing one microphone in our house and who knows maybe that person was cryogenically revived so <laughs> just in case just in case you're that person uh you know Welcome. Le- welcome to our podcast. And I think you may have one or two things to relate to with this. Yeah. In this one. Yeah. If, if we're still alive um, or if we've also been cryogenically frozen and are woken up, please contact us because we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to talk about, about you, about your experience. Yeah. But I suppose if we were also frozen, then we wouldn't need this other listener to weigh in because we'd know what, what it felt like. True. Yeah. Oh, my name my <laughs> name is George Elliot Weisfluth, by the way. That's uh just Elliot Weisfluth practically, but I'll include George as well because it's on my birth certificate. And my name is uh John Peter Isaiah Leiden. <laughs> Two middle names. I'm is glad it, I'm glad you, you find my name funny. It, it, Wait, is there a hyphen or is it just two? Like, no, it's two middle names. Well, my original name was actually going to be Isaiah. But uh, when my mom, you know, told the family my name was Isaiah, my grandma called and she was like, how's Izzy doing? And my mom was like, nope, my, my son's not going to be Izzy. <laughs> she was so like pissed at your grandma for saying that for yeah she was not not about the izzy name but i kind of like izzy but yeah you could go for it man we you can. know some people change their names like when they enter a new place like i was surprised my sister i grew up knowing her as katie right my dad mm-hmm. everybody knew her as katie and then she goes off to college and i go to hang out with her and her friends and everyone's calling her Catherine all of a sudden and it's like this really surreal thing. She totally like just decided. She matured to, into Catherine. Yeah, I guess so. Or <laughs> evolved. <laughs> it's like a new a new form. Yeah. So um, if you haven't gathered it yet from the title of this podcast, we are going to be talking about cryonics. Cryonics. C R Y O N I C S. The the most recent fad in popular science or it's not it's not recent actually it's been going on for a while now ever since you know the early 60s i've heard maybe even earlier yeah yeah exactly i think it was this one guy who had like some research that suggested it might be possible robert eddinger was his name and he held on to that for like 20 years before finally writing a book about it which he sent to everybody he could think of like mostly high class high profile people like i don't know when when i heard about cryonics my first thought was like it was definitely an illuminati activity and i guess he thought it would be the same thing yeah 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 something that like you know maybe scientology would support or something like that yeah you know maybe scientology does support it like if they have like a giant cryonics station in the basement of their facilities i wouldn't be surprised at all that almost makes perfect sense yeah yeah exactly it's like they're definitely into some kooky shit um but maybe by the end of this podcast you won't think it's so kooky anyway it, it became popularized after that guy robert eddinger published a book which was approved by isaac asimov of all people 
um, who said, yep, science looks good. We're publishing this thing. And then it created this whole like intellectual science boom about the notion of cryonics like back in the 60s and as things happened in, in science especially yeah. in the 60s <laughs> yeah the 60s was a crazy time for science it was like halfway between the point where there was like almost no ethics involved in science and like the new age of science where it's all like super by the book and mm-hmm. maybe people aren't as willing to be as creative as they were, especially in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What was, uh, like, when you were researching it, what was your what was your impression? Well, I've heard of cryonics before, or cryogenics. Um, is there a difference? I, I couldn't find a specific difference between the two terms, although I know there's probably at least, like, three people who have signed up to have their bodies cryopreserved, like, ripping their hair out right now, maybe, but... For our intents and purposes, we could probably say it's it's about the same. Okay, cool. Um, so my first impression, obviously, like most people, was that cryonics is you know a little bit whack. It's a little bit wacko and like based on kind of fantastical science and that probably won't come into fruition and is basically just a pipe dream and tries you know it tries to basically take advantage of people's fear of death and you know this idea that you know the the, wanting to live forever immortality um this constant desire that so many you know cultures and religions are based on like this seems kind of like a quit to all of that and a, and a little bit of like, you know, there's nothing behind this. But once I started peering into it, I realized that there is, there's a lot of science behind <laughs> this cryonics thing. And, and now I feel like a little bit, it's a little bit more substantial than I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had the exact same thing. I definitely thought it was just going to be like super eccentric, kooky people who were putting their like time and energy into it. But there's some like, really reputable scientists who have been working on cryonics as it stands today and like it it seems like there's not like my impression of it was that it's a legitimate science but the task of reviving somebody after them being like vitrified we'll go over that what vitrification is in a second but after being vitrified like frozen for a century two centuries whatever like the pace of that research is so slow that it's questionable as to whether it's ever going to happen. But I mean, the people who do this and like the people who run the main organization that we're going to be talking about, which is Alcor Life Extension Foundation, founded in 1972. They're based out of Phoenix, Arizona. They're Um, not a company. They're a foundation. Nonprofit. Is there? Oh, what what's the official difference? So I, I suppose it means that they don't they don't you know they don't make money officially, right? They only mm-hmm. they have members and they have a trust, and all of that money goes back into the mission of cryonics and extending people's lives. Right. There's no, you know, there's no kind of margin of profit. Mm-hmm. It, you know, obviously people make money. The people that work for these organizations make money. Uh, but it's more, it's, 
it's kind of more based on this moral kind of mission in a way. Yeah. And I think that's like an important distinction to make because when I first saw that this company was like offering for a substantial sum of money to freeze you after mm-hmm. you died with the hope of revival, that they're just like the best scam artists of all time. Like <laughs> that's what it, that's what it seems to me, at least like um, a, a lot of these people's customers decide not to have their uh, full bodies preserved, thinking like, wow, the future technology is good enough to wear. I'm going to be able to be revived one day, then it's probably good enough to regenerate a whole body for me. So what's the use in spending like an extra hundred some thousand dollars and getting my whole body frozen and instead I'll just get my head frozen. Yes. So yeah, so these these this company Alcor offers a service called neuropreservation where they will eliminate the body below the C6 vertebrae and just store your head and preserve your brain for an indefinite amount of time. It seems like a scam, but the fact that they're a nonprofit kind of indicates that they're not really like ripping you off for this money and just like freezing ahead with no real intention in the future of reviving it. It's like Mm -hmm. they're not getting rich off of this. At least as far as we could tell. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I checked out their uh, financial um, balance sheets, actually, and they do have like a substantial amount of money invested within their company. Like they, they own a lot of money, but a lot of it is like dedicated to their patients or mm-hmm. like the cost of operations. And also, there's a select number of patients who've decided to put out a uh, trust fund for themselves in case they decide to be revived. Because who wants to uh, be revived like two centuries in the future and be absolutely broke? That, would, over, that, yeah. that would be a, a buzzkill. Yeah. Um, if so, I had to say. So, so let's let's uh, let's like lay the foundations. Kind of what is cryonics? What is vitrification and how is vitrification different from, let's say, being frozen? Okay, so I guess the the core ideology of cryonics is that when you die in the classical conception of the word, like death as we know it today, you're not really dead necessarily. You're just, uh, in, in their words, deanimated because death must happen for some like structural reason you know it's it's mm-hmm. not like you just your time expires the clock goes out and you die it's like something happens your your cells get too old the chemical structures in your body become so disorganized that what we know as death occurs mm-hmm. and there's lots of different definitions for death right yeah yeah so so they, they make a point actually to uh talk about this and it, it's part of like their Um, philosophy that at one point like a hundred years ago death was the point where like you stopped breathing your heart stopped beating you started going cold like you you just died whereas today due to techniques like cpr and resuscitation like um those what what are those things called like the chest shock defibrillators yeah the defibrillators um (laughs) yeah they're the, the point where you die is no longer the point where you stop breathing or your heart stops beating, but it's more like the point where a medical professional is no longer willing to try to revive you. 
And these guys are saying that's some bullshit because in the future, there's probably going to be technology available to save you from whatever your death as like as it was in the 21st uh, century was. So it's a, it's a loophole in the in a way. It's like given that definition, you cannot revive you. They say no bullshit. Mm-hmm. The, we can revive you, just not right now. Yeah, exactly. And the, it, it's very uncertain. That's like the thing that's kind of made me a bit skeptical this whole time is that a- anytime these people seem to like cast into doubt like their ability to revive you they fall back on well it's the future anything could happen like you know who, who knows there's technology is increasing rapidly so you probably are going to be able to be revived um especially because they're donating to like research and trying to promote science that will carry that out mm-hmm. although the uh the like practical way that they decide to revive you is a little bit murky but we should talk about that we should talk about that later yeah so anyway cry- cryonics um they're saying that you should you're not going to be able to uh even if you can't be revived now, you will be in the future. So we're going to like save your body for when that happens. Yeah. Pretty, pretty simple idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Um, when it comes down to it. So, uh, and, and just, you know, Walt Disney did it, right? (laughs) So, you know, it must, there must be some value to it. Oh yeah. You know, I, that is, that is a huge, myth actually i'm i'm here as the official myth buster to bust the myth that walt disney <laughs> is frozen i had this whole you know picture in my head of you know this fancy room all like the mickey mouse characters <laughs> around him and walt disney in this you know tube all frozen and like his whole body intact ready to be revived <laughs> dude if you're if you're walt disney though and you were gonna get revived with the first thing you want to see be like all your all the characters you made throughout your life like you probably just feel like you're in some weird trip like what the hell is going on true yeah i don't know i guess that nobody's really had to cross that bridge yet because nobody's been revived yet but once that process starts it's like they're gonna have to figure out a way to make you comfortable with waking up after being Deanimated. I know. I know. <laughs> for like centuries or, or however long. I'm just trying to imagine it, like what mm. the world will be like. I know. You know, it, it, it makes you think of Futurama. Do, do you watch Futurama? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like how they uh, they, they basically freeze people's heads. They have people's heads in like this museum of heads, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Like and it's basically mixed. like their oh, cop out to like have all these celebrity guests on the show <laughs> yeah yeah exactly those are those those are the neuropreserved um heads you know that that doesn't didn't make sense to me though because like fry got frozen he was just a pizza delivery guy and that's like the full treat if you're doing this with alcor that is the full treatment you're gonna have to pay a sum of roughly two hundred thousand dollars to get your whole body cryopreserved whereas if you just want your head cryopreserved it's going to be on the order of eighty thousand dollars so you'd think all these affluent people that were frozen that that were like the floating heads in futurama would have gone for the full body preservation but i guess they were just like kind of cheap about it or something but you know 
I don't know what I'd, I don't know. I'm trying to imagine myself 80 years old. Do I really want an 80 years old body? <laughs> Honestly, that's a good question. Cause it's like, you, you think um, your body kind of degrades, you get arthritis and all these like aches and pains. And <laughs> Just got some nits stuck yeah, in my mouth. John and I are enjoying some delicious uh, Moscow mules right now. And these mints are uh, quite sticky to various parts of our mouths, including <laughs> lips and teeth. <laughs> Not very convenient for the podcast. No, no, it has caused a couple, a couple of guffaws, if that's the right word for it. Buddy, what were we even talking about? But anyway, <laughs> uh, we were talking about Futurama, we were talking about the price, but it actually turns out there's a feasible way that, you know, most middle class people can pay for this service, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life insurance. Exactly. It's genius. So Life insurance. If you uh, if you want to have like a steady steady contribution towards your cryopreservation and you are an average middle class citizen, there, it, in all likelihood, you can make it happen. It's it's at equal price to taking out a life insurance policy, except that most of that money presumably will not go to your family, but rather to the costs of maintaining your cryopreserved vitrified body. Maybe we should talk about vitrification. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it, it's time for us to talk about vitrification because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it is not as, although like the concept is simple, the process of vitrification, you know, there's some complications that come in if you just try to freeze a body, right? Yeah. And that's where vitrification comes in. Right. So, if you just try to freeze a body, like you die, the, the procedure is not to just make that body as cold as possible, as fast as possible, because that, that'll freeze the water in your body. And freezing happens through crystallization, which essentially creates all these little icy micro spikes that just rip up your cells. Yikes. It also uh, increases, or yeah, increases the concentration of... Um, dissolved chemicals within your body, which causes something, uh, what was it called? Like, basically, the co- since the concentrations of chemicals in your body are, like, highly concentrated as of all the water being frozen off of them, it kind of, like, screws up the cell walls. But mm-hmm. it, it, it basically destroys the structure. And if nothing else, the cryopreservationists are looking to keep the structure of your body like i think Mm -hmm. like the information of your body essentially yeah exactly it's like the i think a lot of neuropreservation patients or patients is what they call them it's what it's what we'll be saying and uh cryopreservation patients aren't necessarily hoping to wake up one day if they're not hoping for that they're hoping that their like memories and conscious will be able to be extracted from the structures within mm-hmm. their body um so that they maybe one day could wake up as like a hive mind or <laughs> some black sure. mirror episode essentially yeah yeah exactly but there is there is a case here all right so so alcor has it, I expected it to be a super shady organization where you just like have to know someone or have to like call to make an inquiry. Like found we found out their website is extremely comprehensive. Um, it has a ton of information relating to cryopreservation. 
It's so prepared for any sort of counter-argument. Yeah. It's like they've heard everything. <laughs> they, they've definitely gotten a lot of shit over the years. <laughs> it's like, we heard this before. Yeah. You, we're not the first one to fucking <laughs> Yeah, for real. To I mean, make this argument. It's like, they're definitely people who have gotten used to being on the defensive. You mm-hmm. can tell that from their <laughs> website. It's like, oh, I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, um... Like before you know anything about it, it seems like this is just a huge scam. So of course people are gonna like not look into it and like just accuse them of ripping people off for their like hard-earned money, which might be a fair argument, you know, because this is this is a little shaky. But I'll I'll bring up a case right now that I think makes an argument against doing this and, and for the fact that they're a scam. Um, well, which which I don't think so, but this is a little suspect. So. Almost every case that Alcor has carried out, has done a cryopreservation for, they create a case report. And there is a case where one of their patients was shot in the back of the head four Mm. times by like a disgruntled client. Afterwards, his body was taken to the... um, morgue where an autopsy was performed and they weren't allowed to get their hands on it for like over a day or something which the cryopreservationist will tell you is critical time what they want to do is get you into this process like as soon as you're pronounced legally dead for sure so like the most important structure to preserve the brain was was ripped up um and they still sat outside of this guy's room and tried to uh, take take his uh, brain and his head and cryopreserve it. Um, <laughs> usually, usually when they or, or neuropreserve it, usually when they neuropreserve someone, they keep the whole head because the tissue in the skull is like a natural way to protect yeah. the brain. But I'll quote um, from their case study: "Quote." His brain is being stored separately from the rest of his body because it was removed by the LA medical examiner to extract bullets. So, <laughs> you know, if they're, if they're getting in there, like extracting bullets from this brain, which is now outside of the head in like an unpreserved state, and they're still <laughs> taking it, like they're like, yeah, whatever, you already paid us like 80 grand or whatever. Um, it was to be who knows who knows maybe the bullets you know maybe the bullets hit like his really big insecurities and he'll <laughs> and when he wakes up he'll be like this confident new man dude someone that nobody would want to shoot hopefully man that's that's <laughs> that would be an ideal situation <laughs> I wish I could you know I I don't think I would try to shoot away my insecurity. <laughs> it sounds like you're on the tail end of like a schizophrenic breakdown. You got to take your medications or something. Hey, I'm trying to be optimistic here. You know, yeah, maybe, maybe this is going to be the only guy that this works for. <laughs> you never know. See, maybe he paid uh, or put out the extra money to pay for revival. So that's why they wanted him to do it. So th- this is the other thing that I thought was a little bit sketchy about this company is that you can set up something that they call a patient care trust, which essentially ensures your continued care, like for however long you're going to be frozen, which in their terms is indefinitely. So you're really 
riding on this company to like stay in business and keep to their mission. And they ask you to like contribute to that by like giving them a bunch of money that they can make interest off of and afterwards will be returned to you so that you're not broke when you wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it says in the documentation for this care trust, cause I sent them an email and asked for like a brochure about the trust. It was the only thing that they didn't really have available on their website. And in that documentation, it says, did they um, respond to you? They did. They oh. did like immediately. <laughs> like, okay. hi, hi, Elliot. I will be your contact for, uh, Alcor cryopreserve. Yeah, whatever. There, it was, it was professional, but, um, uh, Here, I'll I'll quote from the patient care trust document, Um, quote, to provide an incentive to revive you sooner rather than later, the model trust lets you pick a percentage of the trust assets to be given to Alcor upon successful revival. Giving more to Alcor provides a greater incentive to revive you sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Give us money so we'll (laughs) revive you. Yeah, and, and also provides more funds with which to carry out that revival because they don't know how much it's going to cost. The technology hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> but also a greater incentive. Oh, yeah, giving more money, um, quote, but also a greater incentive to try risky techniques that might not be fully proven. So they're basically saying, like, we'll revive you sooner, but because we want that money, we might be willing to do it in some, like, unproven, sketchy-ass way. (laughs) 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 Totally ridiculous. Um, It says, quote, Giving less to Alcor creates less financial incentive to rush into a premature attempt to revive you, but also provides less incentive to revive you in the timeliest fashion. It is difficult to say exactly how large this incentive should be, or even whether there should be an incentive, but the model trust lets you decide how big an incentive you want to provide for a successful revival. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. That, 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 you know, answering that question is almost answering the the question, is almost as hard as answering the question of do I want to be cryopreserved or not in the first place? Like, how much risk do I want to take on like with all of these sketchy new strategies to revive one right self what what would you do would you would you want to be like like revived sooner or timelier or would you rather be in like the back of the barrel like for thousands of years because they can't muster up the cash to like go through the newest like revival techniques i feel in like somewhere around 75 percent not to alcor because I wouldn't want to obviously be in the ba- in the back of the barrel, but I don't want to be the one that's like they're trying out new shit on. Because once I'm fucked up, then I'm fucked up forever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, according to the philosophy, however they fuck you up when they try to revive you, and it doesn't work when they tried sooner, then they can just like you can just bank on future technology undoing however they screwed up. So <laughs> like you might be back. <laughs> There back we go. In the back of the tank for a while, but <laughs> at least at least technology will keep improving at an exponential rate. <laughs> there we go. That's all that matters. That's you know, if any question comes up about this, you can just always resort to that answer. Technology will improve. Yeah. You know it. it the, all right. So here's here's a quote that they have on their website, 
which is supposed to instill confidence in their patients. Um, the quote is, although no one can quantify the probability of cryonics working, I estimate it is at least 90%. Certainly nobody can say it is zero. That was from Sir Arthur C. Clarke, the inventor of the communications satellite. Dude. Okay, zero percent. That's a good threshold. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's certainly not zero. It's certainly not zero percent. Anything could happen. That's that would and be Murphy's law, right? Anything that can happen will happen. Is that Murphy's law? Something like that. I don't. I don't know. Murphy's I don't know. Law. I gotta watch Interstellar again. Everybody always talks about it, and I'm always like in the dark. Like I'll, I'll smile and like say, "Yeah, like I know what they're talking about," but <laughs> that's been my most consistent like. Goodbye. Talking about instilling trust, I think um, another thing that the website uh, puts on is testimonials from their from their members, uh, and I think it would be uh, awesome if we could watch one of the test testimonials right now. Yeah, let's 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 watch that testimonial. So let's let's uh, we're gonna listen to this testimonial by this guy Andrew Popper. I love that last name. Yeah, Popper. we're gonna try to edit the audio in afterwards, but if, if we weren't able to do it, I'm sorry. <laughs> My name is Andrew J. Popper. I came from uh, New York. Previously, I've lived in Alaska and Illinois. My dad was a, I'm an Air Force brat, so I had a lot of adventures as a child. So I'm used to new and different things, and the idea of cryonics seemed like a natural to me because I know how rapidly technology is developing. Approximately every two years, things are doubling. <laughs> I think no that's some, there's a law that's something like that. Every yeah. two years, things are doubling. <laughs> Everything's doubling. We don't freeze people. We vitrify them. We turn into, we turn into a glassy I, And I also just love how quickly he got the New York accent. Like, he wasn't even born in New York or raised in New York, but... It's not I would guess he's from like the center of the Bronx right now. Yeah, standing in front we're of that. We're not frozen. We're vitrified. Cool thing. That problem has largely been resolved, and we're getting better and better cryoprotective fluids. I'm actually hoping that uh, you know, with more funding, with a uh, supercomputer, maybe we can improve our cryoprotective fluids. We have scientists and engineers, and Alcor has some of the brightest people in the world as members. Not all of them are open. We have a powerful, powerful uh, force within uh, Google. I'm not mentioning any names, but we have some <laughs> really, go. really Google. powerful. <laughs> what? <laughs> but it's not mentioning names. rapidly, and my attitude is: keep yourself in shape, and you can have a better and better and better cryo suspension. I think that uh, I, I cannot understand when I hear about people with millions or even billions of dollars dying when it's a tiny amount of their wealth. What's the downside? They say, oh, and they say, well, you can't take it with you. Well, guess what? We have, a we have ways to uh, preserve. We have cryonics trusts. We have a secret place where we, you can store some of your valuables for when you're reanimated. And, you know, if you're a billionaire or a millionaire, if you have a reasonable amount of wealth and you go into the cryonics, people say, gee, what if it doesn't work? Well, if it doesn't work, are you any worse off? Then if you were just buried and eaten by worms? I mean, this is uh, your one chance. Like, yeah, it's like, fair I'm going to play. The plane is going to crash in a mountain. There's no chance of survival. But we got, we got these experimental parachutes. They haven't been tested yet. Uh, do you want to try it? Why not? I'm at, I know I'm going to die if the plane crashes. 
So I'm going to take that experimental parachute and I'm going to jump out of that plane and I'm going to hope it works. If it's a 10%, or I think it's a very, very high percent, barring some, you know, a, a, a comet or an asteroid smashing into the earth or a supervolcanic eruption. So I'm existential. I'm confident that this is going to work. And what's the downside? You can take it with you. There you go, folks. You heard it here first. Uh, Alcor has infiltrated Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just love how I love how this guy, Mr. Popper, just like brings in this New York attitude to this debate. He's just like, there's no reason you shouldn't do it. You know, like <laughs> you can take it with you. <laughs> He's okay, just like so Murphy's law is a supposed law of nature expressed in various humorous popular savings to the effect that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <just> wrong. <laughs> uh, if you guys didn't hear that, our uh, roommate and gracious filmer Eric has just informed us the true meaning of Murphy's law. <laughs> so Mr. Popper probably uh, wouldn't be happy to hear that. Yeah, I I think not. But you could just, I mean, that that is, like, undeniable, right, that anything could happen. But at the same time, this guy kind of sounds like he's drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> like, <laughs> but is is it worth, like, leaving your pride that you're not, like, like, not being willing to submit to something so ridiculous? I don't know. I think he, I think Mr. Popper brings a fair point. And that point is, why the fuck not? You know, like... Even if there is a 10% chance, even if there's a 5% chance that you can be revived and experience, you know, the world, it must be at some pretty good state of the world that they are able to develop this kind of technology. Uh, Why not go ahead and do it? You know, like, yeah, like, you know, maybe you would even like, even if it's not going to happen, maybe you'll even die more peacefully knowing that you have this hope, you know, you die with this hope that you will be revived. Yeah. Kind of in a way that religion mm-hmm. or like, you know, spirituality can give you like this hope of, of, of an afterlife, you know? Right. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Actually. I, I would imagine that it is somewhat comforting to the people who are signed up for this service that they might just be like clocking out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely a useful, um, kind of model to go off of you're trying to accept death and Mm -hmm. uh just to get into like the um kind of process of this a little bit um these people at alcor are very involved in your like classic conception of death what what they want to do is be on something that they call standby so they've they've had to like scratch and claw their way in a few times but what they will want to do is be like in the hospital with you like right next to your bed with their whole team so that Mm -hmm. as soon as you're pronounced legally dead they can rush in and begin the vitrification process process. yeah so like i'd imagine if you have these people who are looking to you like as a patient, as someone that they're going to try to revive one day, it can instill some confidence in you maybe to mm-hmm. uh, face face the death that you're about to experience. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about that process because I think that process is, uh, you know, it's an interesting process and there's some yeah, funny things about it. So what mm-hmm. do they do after you are, you know, clinically dead? What's the first step? Right. So... So Alcor is located in Phoenix. 
Um, ideally, you would be in a hospital that's close to their headquarters where they're going to um, complete the full process. But if not, they'll they're willing to like fly you on a plane where you're cold the whole time. You know, it's just it's just like more efficient if you're close. So let's assume you're dying close. Alcor is standing outside your room with roughly five to ten team members holding bags of ice ready to cool your temperature down. Mm-hmm. So you pass away. You're pronounced legally dead. They, they would love to be able to start this process before you're like legally dead, but they can't mm-hmm. because you're not, you're alive. <laughs> you <can't. laughs> they, um, that would be murder. <laughs> right. That would be murder. Um, so they go in and immediately start cooling down your internal mm-hmm. temperature. They'll put bags of ice on your head, on your chest, on your face. They're mostly looking to cool down the brain mm-hmm. temperature more than anything. And, and they're also... They're also reviving you, too, to some extent, oh, right? Yeah. You were mentioning that. I, I didn't see too much about that. Can you explain that? So, as they're cooling your body down, like, let's say you're clinically dead, the Alcor, Al- uh, the agents from Alcor will try to get your systems to run again. So, your cardiovascular system, your, um, yeah, but mostly your cardiovascular system uh, and your respiratory system. So, they'll do the defibrillator thing. And, um, actually like just to like, you know, keep that preservation going before they do the full process. Uh, and actually while they're doing that, there's a chance that they will literally bring you back to life, bring your consciousness back to life. So, which would be pretty freaking scary, right? Like (laughs) you're dead, you're gone and like they're they're you're back and you're in this ice bath (laughs) (laughs) with these people who are just basically giving you like this this like ice torture right and um trying to cool your temperature down yeah Uh, so they so they specifically give you a drug a medication to make sure that your consciousness doesn't come back yeah so like so you're technically you could become alive again but you're you're not conscious dude it's a little scary that Whatever they're doing could bring you back alive, but whatever the doctors couldn't do when they pronounce you legally dead, couldn't. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But um, technically, like a clinically dead, like uh, a doctor can revive you, but they're basically determining that once they revive you, you would die in like the next few minutes. Right. And that's yeah. probably the case for these outcore patients who prospectively would have been revived by their post-mortem processes yes right so they've got the ice bags on you and you're tranquilized up so even if you wanted to come back it's not happening sorry um (laughs) (laughs) the, the next thing they do is replace the blood in your body with a cryopreservant or a cryoprotectant i think i think that's what they call it it's basically this liquid solution that has an extremely low freezing point. So they're trying to remove as much freezing in your body as possible and replace it with this cryoprotectant, which will vitrify. And vitrify is vitrification is still solidification. Mm-hmm. So you still become solid, but it doesn't form the ice crystals or really mess with like the concentration of the solubility of the like chemicals that are doing your daily processes. So 
they use your vascular system, tap into your tap into your uh, circulatory system, and drain your blood and pump you full of this cryoprotectant. This is the point where they start to cool you down significantly. So they'll uh, like you, you. You're not like full of blood anymore. You're full of this stuff that's kind of like permeated through your cell membranes and is all over your body. And at that point since the water won't freeze, they'll actually cool you down to the point where this cryoprotectant becomes solid. Um, it has to happen in a very controlled way because if you do it too slowly, it doesn't freeze, or if you do it too quick, like some, some like maybe some more freezing happens or something like that. Basically, they have like a computer that freezes you down at a very specific schedule so that you'll be as preserved. The structures of your molecules will be as preserved as possible. So that's the next step after you die. <laughs> this is all happening like within a few hours, I believe. So now you're cold. You're at roughly like negative 100 degree, 120 degrees yeah, yeah. Celsius. Yeah. So you're at negative 120 degrees Celsius and this is where they put you to your not final but resting place which is something that they call a big dewar <laughs> or, or no no bigfoot yeah a bigfoot <laughs> a bigfoot dewar the, the thing that they keep you in is called a bigfoot dewar and it's a giant metal tube filled with liquid nitrogen each one can hold four full bodies and five heads so like they don't want to have too many of these things because it wouldn't be very efficient. So they'll they'll stick you in there with three other people. Getting and, real comfy in there. Yeah, yeah. You, you can have some people to chill with. You know, if there is some like strange. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you have some people to literally chill with. <laughs> hopefully, there's not a. Hopefully, there's not an extra body in there when they uh, open the tank. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You would hope not. You would hope that they already reserved your space and aren't going to have to make someone move over. Like, oh, I was talking about, uh, I was talking about, you know, frozen bodies getting it on. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, dude, that would be. That's probably like the most effective boner preservation technique of all time. <laughs> no need for Viagra. Just fucking freeze yourself. Yeah, if you have a vitrified dick, you can literally fuck for so long. <laughs> but I guess it comes at a trade-off, though, that you probably wouldn't feel anything. Yeah. I mean... Not worth I'm willing to try it. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be worth a go. <laughs> yep. So, what I was imagining when I first heard of Alcor was like a freezing room filled with like heads preserved in blocks of ice, like that you could walk through and see them kind of like staring at you through like the muddled, glassy mm -hmm. bit of ice. But m it's more like a room full of these big, shiny metal cylinders filled mm -hmm. with liquid nitrogen which keeps you at a constant temperature of 196 degrees celsius this is kind of a reassuring way to do this like my first question was like what if they have a power outage like 
that's a situation. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. You'd think like they, they'd be constantly demanding electricity for this. Ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. But the liquid nitrogen in these Bigfoot dewars, as they're called, um, can keep a person cold without any extra work or anything. If, if the world ended and these things were still standing, you'd still be cold for three months. But it is somebody's job. This is somebody gets paid to do this. <laughs> um, to walk through this room of big metal cylinders and open up the tops and just like refill them with liquid nitrogen <laughs> because it, a little bit boils off throughout the weeks. Imagine, imagine you meet someone and they're and you're like, you know, what do you do for a living? And they're like, um, I poured liquid nitrogen into you know dead bodies yeah. for a living. <laughs> or sorry, right, uh, paused bodies. Yeah, yeah, no, that, I feel like they probably have adopted this culture where it's, like, really frowned upon to refer to the people as dead. (laughs) Yeah, it's like political correctness, but toward, but for dead people specific, or, mm, paused. Uh, Paused, yeah, people. Deanimated. Deanimated people. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, you'd probably get some shit from your coworkers if you referred to them as dead. That being said, like, maybe they're also taking the piss out of it, like, I had a friend, this was, this was fucked up, <laughs> who got an internship at this lab and he didn't realize what they did. So he, he just knows that he's working at some like crash test lab. lab. Okay. Crash test. Like it's, it's a crash. Yeah. It's a car crash test lab. Okay. Their, their specific purpose was to use real human cadavers dedicated to science in car crashes to study the effects of car crashes on like real people and he didn't he didn't know this going in which i think is the most fucked real up people yeah so they they will strap cadavers into like the drivers passengers or whatever seat of the car what's a cadaver a dead body oh so, yeah so these are real dead bodies that they have at this crash test facility that they put in cars as crash test dummies. Oh my god! And just carry out like the most vile of crashes, just to like see what happens, right? <laughs> Damn! Isn't that fucked? Well, Some masochist must be working there. Well, that's what he said. I was like, what? What was it like? <laughs> like, could you could you guys deal with that? What was like, the that's, culture? That's what was the company culture? <laughs> he said he said that they were really like sarcastic about it, almost as a defense. <laughs> Like, like, dude, if you're if you're watching people just like get slammed in cars like all day is your profession, you might have to be a bit sarcastic <laughs> yeah. about it. I was just like, poor Bob. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember there's also cases in like World War One where the um, soldiers were super sarcastic about like the dead bodies that they had to deal with on a regular basis. Oof. Um, honestly, get the feeling that he, they're at Alcor. Um, that's not the case. They seem really serious. Yeah, about it. yes. Like they kind of have to maintain that mentality for this thing to work. Yes, for the whole culture, for the whole myth. Not that it's not true, but you know the the whole story behind it. Right. To hold up. It's not. It's not true yet, though. And that's the yet. That's the that's the creepy thing. So so Alcor has. Um, an extensive frequently asked questions section on their website. Which yes. Is, it is an absolute gold mine. Um, most of the time that they can't answer a question about 
like a legitimate concern with this process, they will fall back on well, future technology could solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to find an example of this. Oh yeah, fracturing. Did you did you see any of the stuff about fracturing? Yeah, isn't fracturing basically what happens when you try when you put the body in very low temperatures and mm-hmm. the you know parts of the body start to fracture they start to kind of you know break a little bit yeah that that's exactly it the way that they described it was like a cracked windshield that's still intact but is still like cracked regardless so like mm-hmm. the actual structures of your body at these extremely low temperatures of 196 degrees celsius will crack a little bit um <laughs> which which is a legitimate serious concern if you're trying to be revived one day you don't want to wake up and have your liver and like shed like pieces you know or whatever um but this is what they say about it quote while fracturing sounds like a serious problem it probably isn't from the standpoint of future medicine (laughs) (laughs) it probably isn't from the standpoint of Hi, I'm a future doctor. I just traveled from 2200 and I'm here today to tell you that fracturing probably isn't an issue. Thank you. What's, what, what's your name, doctor? My name is uh, Dr. Xanadu. Dr. Xanadu, thank you for coming from your haven in the future to tell us mere cryopreservationist mortals about how fracturing is not going to rip our bodies apart when we're at 196 degrees celsius for the next several centuries or however long it's going to take to revive us you're welcome sir thank you thank you now Um, back to my uh time travel device can i check that thing out (laughs) (laughs) it probably doesn't exist yeah oh man i'm starting to think you're phony (laughs) well let me let me add that it quote it probably isn't from the standpoint of future medicine because little information loss likely results from it so if you're one of those people that's just trying to get your brain scanned and conscious downloaded into a computer then fracturing is not going to be such a big deal to you 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 didn't think you're about to like have to use that shit anyway good i'll take note of that right right and and you you said you would consider doing it yeah 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 we'll we'll get back to that later i think that's a good way to close it out but I want us to put some numbers on this thing, right? Because, you know, we don't really know how acquainted people are to this. Right. And it is actually pretty popular, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. So, I, how, do you know how many members are they have right now? I think, if I remember correctly, they have 177 people, either fully preserved or neuro-preserved. Yes. And they have at least 1,000 people who, who are members up, yeah, yeah to do it in the future which is that's i mean i was surprised to hear those numbers i thought it would be very 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 small yeah yeah so is i and they also included a graph about their numbers throughout the years and how people were signing up yeah and it seemed to be the case that it's exponentially increasing yeah the number of as, people who as are. mr popper says doubles over two years roughly right. Well, Mr. Popper was talking about <laughs> technology advances <laughs> by whatever measure that means. True. Yeah. Mr. Popper, great spokesman. I <laughs> uh, love his New York accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love yeah. his plain analogy. 
That was a good analogy. Yeah. I, I will say, I, if I was offered an experimental parachute rather than nothing, I would go for it. That's but all it, you need, really. Yeah. But there it's you also sold. different crashing in a plane because you're dying young, if that's the case. True. It's a premature kind of death. Right. Yeah. But I guess... This could be premature, too. Yeah. From, from these people's perspectives, like, their deaths are premature. Are because they're not actually dying. Mm-hmm. They're just deanimating. Um, yeah, so there's 177 people currently frozen, either just their heads or their whole bodies, at Alcor or various other facilities, of which I think there's only, like, two or three. There's This isn't, like, widely spread out among industry. Mm-hmm. I think one of, the, one of the things that was concerning to me regarding, like, the research aspect of it, like, the amount of research that you need to revive these people is the fact that in the entire cryopreservation industry, there's less than 20 full-time employees. At Alcor or in the whole industry? In the whole industry. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that just seems like... For the amount of like interest in it, that's very small. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think... there is that like cryopreservation society, right? Do you, the Cryonics Institute, I think that's what it's called. And the fact that it's an institute makes you think that it's well established and shit. But there's less than twenty people working on this, you know. <laughs> that's not a very uh, encouraging statistic if you're trying to get revived one day and you're worried mm-hmm. about the amount of research that's actually being done. Mm-hmm. Plus, like. On the grand scheme of things, I think the world has a couple more pertinent problems than reviving people who've already had, like, comfortable middle-class lives, you know? (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, there also, um, there is a hypothetical cap to the amount of time you could be preserved cryogenically. And that is oh. due to background radiation. Oh. Right. So there's a... Here, I'll, I'll read it straight from their, their FAQ. Um, quote, while background radiation is about 2.4 millisieverts, or millisieverts, millisieverts, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> if I, I'm definitely butchering this, but it's 2.4 things. Rit... It's very okay. small. Yeah. Well, background radiation is about 2.4 milli radiations per year. <laughs> about half that dose is inhaled from gases, mainly radon, that cryopreserved patients would not receive. A lethal dose by today's medical standards is about 10,000 milli radiations. Therefore, a cryopreserved patient will accumulate a lethal dose in about 8,000 years. However, they fall back on their favorite, favorite thing here, which is... Hey, oh, let me guess. Yeah. Future technology. Yeah, future technology, man. <laughs> it's going to save everything because, <laughs> quote, future medical technology should be able to heal patients exposed to much higher doses. There you so, go. Yeah. So this estimate is conservative. It's my trap card right there. <laughs> Dude, this whole process is a trap card. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, totally. I think I, uh, there was another, uh, FAQ that I was really, that I was really, that really piqued my interest. 
And it was, are your, will your memories be preserved? Will your consciousness be preserved? And one thing I found out is that they did an experiment, right, with worms. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I, I saw that one. It's pretty it's pretty interesting. Yeah, that so what I heard was what I saw was that um there was an experiment where they basically exposed worms to smells and those smells, you know, each smell could lead to a certain reward if they followed that smell. And then they um cryogenically froze the worms and when they revived them because i think worms are probably a lot easier to revive right. than a human would be they, they heated them back up they heated them back <laughs> up in the microwave yeah, <laughs> yeah <I'm laughs> but probably not um and the worms were still uh, aware of which smells led to the reward so that is some evidence that your memory is preserved after being uh cryogenically frozen yeah you know that that's that's interesting because I I'd, I'd love to see people who got revived like what happened to their memories and their cognition if they were fully revived like what the effect of being frozen for so long would be mm. it was like the the mm-hmm. smell thing's encouraging but st- smells are also one of the most fundamental parts of memory like yeah it, they're it, very simple kind of. You know mm-hmm. a smell. It's like when I walk into the kitchen and I smell something. And it's like it's hot cocoa. It's like I'm back to ten years old in my <laughs> in my parents' kitchen. Just like it's Christmas time. Right. It's powerful. It's, it's yeah. probably one of the first senses that we acquired in our evolutionary history as mm-hmm. organisms. So like, I want to see him do it to like a mouse that has to remember how to go through a maze. You know. True. Yeah. More complex kind of memories. Right. Yeah. Can you can you still recite Beethoven's Ninth on the piano <laughs> two thousand years after you were pronounced legally dead in the in the year twenty twenty? There you go. That that's the perfect test. That would be, dude. That's I mean, these people like if there's no other incentive to revive these people other than that they would be like living time capsules. That would be worth it. Like way way in the future. Mm-hmm. Like to have you know yeah. honestly yeah just to have like you know. Like, like the contribution to our history, if we just had like George Washington or MLK just come, come back mm-hmm. or at least part of their memories or part of their experience come back because now it's basically all just like projections, right. our personal projections onto them. But if they were to come back and tell us their actual experience, what, how, how like that would be so significant. Yeah. And that's kind of an interesting question, because if we let that go for too long, the language that we speak will evolve past the point that they would understand. Like, yeah, like they wouldn't understand understand old English, for example. Yeah. You can communicate with somebody who spoke English in like the year 1000. Yeah. You'd be like, yo, yo, Washington, that's fire. And he's like, (laughs) what's on fire right now? (laughs) Is the White House on fire again? Uh, <laughs> uh, classic Washington thoughts. <laughs> Man, White House is on fire again. Yeah, I guess I do wish that some some people from history were were cryogenically preserved so that we could wake them up prospectively in the future and ask them, interview them a little bit. Although that would be just a wild experience. 
you know it it might be like if you're a true enthusiast of science and history and like the progression of intellectualism an argument to neuropreserve yourself in the case that they can read your brain and download that consciousness so that they could learn even if you're not going to be like an agent mm-hmm. of that consciousness the the fact that people will be able to gain knowledge from it would be like a noble cause to freeze your head for but mm-hmm. an expensive noble cause <laughs> mhm yeah no like i think they do even on the on the FAQ they talk about the moral kind of ideas around this right right yeah they have a whole section like um attributed to addressing morality let me see if i can find some of the some of the quotes <laughs> from from this section because it's it's actually wild honestly um i like the one about christianity where if they say is is uh our cryonics aligned with christianity yeah that was that was an interesting question and they they cited a theological scholar yeah they did a noted theological scholar for that matter i'm gonna find that quote i i really like the last sentence so he basically says that since it's not immortality that we're trying to achieve its extension of life it is thus a moral thing and he brings up the arg- the counter argument that you know god didn't got like we were able like naturally before this technology we would die right and just die forever so that's not something that god willed for us to have but then he brings up okay then like god didn't give us wings right so what so then should we not take an airplane right right? so so he kind of debunks that argument but i really like what he says at the end do you have the quote up here yeah the quote is um this is by the way from lutheran pastor k gleisner um in 1965 said quote christianity and the church have always been interested in the extension of human life uh, it says a couple more things. And then the church of Christ does not retard science, which is questionable. But the first question, the first sentence stands, Christianity and the church have always been interested in the extension of human life. Um, that being said, I think there were some legitimate arguments against it, like from quotes in the Bible. But I'm I'm not a theologian. I don't really know too much about religion, but it seems like you can cherry pick the Bible to support yeah, your argument. Totally. Wait, let's go to the actual last line. Wait, go go to it. I really really like what he says. Is, do you have a link to it? I do. I have it pulled up here. Cool. Um, here. Look what he says right here. He says, "I'm for cryonics. The future could well gain." from those in the present who have come experimentally to acknowledge the absolute lordship of Christ of, of scripture. Oh. So he's basically saying like, like we need people to carry on like Christianity right. and if someone who's cryogenically frozen will have more, you know, base knowledge 
about you know they'll be closer to yeah. the actual event and we'll know dude that's fascinating we'll be more like yeah. if christianity dies while you're cryo preserved you could potentially mm-hmm. become a prophet yeah upon revival being exactly. the only person who follows it exactly Damn, that's crazy yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> okay in, uh, like traditions through the people of the past right yeah wow yeah that's a vehicle the is a vehicle <laughs> to like dig up old ideas that have become extinct mm, that's dude. crazy yeah that's it, crazy. and to keep the tradition going the, the cultural argument for this is extremely strong like i mean if you think that it's ever going to happen anyway <laughs> like there's, I, I, there's a lot of good reasons to yes. to be revived yes um there's just like a questionable amount of evidence to support that it could ever happen except for future technology future technology <laughs> just explain everything away it's like there you go uh it's just it's just too easy to fall back on that's that's why it's skept- I'm skeptical of it. It's because it's too easy. Any other FAQs that piqued your interest? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me find find some. Um, right. Oh, so related to the cost of cryonics, um, I'll just I'll just read that so that you guys know once and for all what it will cost out of your wallet to be cryogenically preserved. Mm -hmm. Um, How much does cryonics cost is the question. The answer is, quote, most people pay for cryonics with life insurance. And since the actual cost of that depends on your age and health, to find out your specific cost, you would need to shop for life insurance. Alcor offers two options. For whole body preservation, you would need a minimum policy of $200,000. And for neuropreservation, you would need a minimum policy of $80,000. Other funding options are available besides life insurance, including trusts, annuities, and prepaid cash or equivalent. Alcor members also pay annual dues as explained in the membership question section. So, and I think last time I checked are like $6,000. The memberships a year a yeah. year yeah. oh really is that does that go to the 200 no i think it's in addition to oh yeah because I, I know they charge extra for their standby program which is like to have people on deck when you're about to die um standing by to put the bags of ice on your head to give you the best chance of structural preservation right so we've gone over fracturing we went over neuropreservation which is kind of the craziest part of this whole thing is the fact that there's people's heads just like floating in these big decapitated yeah, fully decapitated fully vitrified frozen vitrified. just like stacked on top of other people's heads i wonder what that feels like when they're when the doctors are just like cutting these people's heads off like i don't know did, did you see the picture of like the head chamber there was a picture of the no, head that's, chamber that's what, that's what this is the, the one at the top of the i made this research document for us and uh 
put some pictures. So this this one, we'll, we'll post this, by the way, wherever we post this podcast. We'll, we'll send you a link to these pictures. But yeah, this is, this is like the final head capsule. Um, as they're putting it into like the liquid nitrogen center chamber. And then yeah. this is like, I think this is like a... That's the, like the multiple... Yeah, so this is like the quadrants are each a body and the center chamber, like where this thing is, is where the heads are. Oh, I see. Yeah, but this little like tin can, that's, you, you get labeled with the number. There you <laughs> go. This one that we're looking at is A-1217. Um, yeah, so your, your head lays to rest in a something that looks like a saucepan at a surface level <laughs> yes uh man yeah talk about a beautiful beautiful burial um oh here's here's a fun okay actually there, i had to go over these two faqs okay they were hilarious um this question was is so snarky how they responded to it um the question is what if i want to grow old and the hmm. an- the answer wait i'm what does that mean what if i want to grow old like if they were to die young and they want mm-hmm. to have an older person's body see i was kind of confused by the phrasing of it as well but maybe emphasis is on the word want like what if i want to grow old like what if i want to go through the aging process and die oh i see yeah so what if i want to grow old the answer is <laughs> You would still be better off with medical control of aging. You could then choose what mix of fatigue, impotence, incontinence, arthritis, osteoporosis, cancer, heart disease, stroke, blindness, depression, and dementia that you would want as you grow old. Customize your (laughs) aging features. You want 20% cancer or 70% cancer? You know, maybe I actually, I read this as snarky, but maybe they're serious. That you could like pick and choose which one you wanted. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think that's it. Sounds snarky to me. It's like, why the fuck would you want to be old? Yeah, but in a really polite way. <laughs> <laughs> the next line is, "But you want a healthy old age? That's oxymoronic, mm-hmm. as any child with progeria will tell you, which is the accelerated aging disease." <laughs> Wow, that's a little insensitive. I know, it kind of is. There, I feel like whoever was writing that answer was like a little bit defensive yeah. <laughs> about the question. Um, oh, here's here's a fun one. Q. Tell me, I don't know if you read this or not. Does Alcor cryopreserve pets? What do you think? I think they do because I've watched a testimonial from a guy who is like dead set on cryogenically preserving his pets. You were you would be right then. That was good evidence. <laughs> the, the answer is Alcor cryopreserves pets of members if arrangements are made to do so. Several members have pets in cryopreservation. Costs vary depending on the size of the animal and other circumstances. Alcor members with pets can contact Alcor for more information. Uh, this is this is another one of those things that makes you think it's kind of a scam, yeah. Yeah, I mean like I feel like the pet thing they're not 
they're not putting much effort into it besides just like making you feel good that the pet is in the is frozen yeah like i doubt there's gonna be enough research research to revive a pet exactly um and it kind of indicates that what they're selling is is comfort at death Mm -hmm. you know that's kind of what a pet provides you is like it, it's like when a, when the Christian church said that pet like dogs can go to heaven. Like Christians yeah. were like, sweet, now I get to meet up with all my pups when mm-hmm. I go to heaven. And like this kind of slant religion version of that is that you can cry out, preserve your pets, and maybe we'll revive them with you if you set enough of your cryo revival trust to us. For like only $40,000 instead of eighty. <laughs> Can you imagine the lawsuit where, like, the cryogenically revived person sues Alcor for, like, not reviving their pet? Yeah. <laughs> or, like, imagine a dog with, like, it's only head, it's only its head. Oh. Neuro-preserved. Dude, could you extract its memories? Or make a new, new body for it? Future technology, man. Yep, future technology. So, so. Yes. All absolutely. Right. I think we should go back now to what you said, that you would consider doing this. Yes, I think that's a good way to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Would you? Would we actually do this sort of cryosis thing? <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and I've got to say that I'm kind of considering it now. Like, uh, I thought it was wacko when I started, you know, when I heard of it. Um, but like we've discussed, there is sort of this comfort knowing that you can depend on future technology to potentially revive yourself, right? Like, even if it doesn't, the idea of that is comforting. And who knows, maybe you will, who knows, maybe you'll come back and you'll get to see, you know, a a thriving society that was able to figure out how to revive dead bodies and you'll be you know one of the few people that come from history one of the you know few hundreds of people that decided to do this from Mm -hmm. you know the 2000s from the or the 2020s now you know we could tell all the future generations what coronavirus was like you know and <laughs> oh, that's all, all I of want the, to talk about <laughs> that's going to be in the textbooks but they could actually talk to someone that's you know been through all the social isolation and stuff um yeah i mean i'm definitely most likely not going to do it but i'm i'm interested i would definitely look into this again yeah i i wouldn't say that i'm opposed to it either but i have like some gripes with it and that's that it kind of seems like a crutch that would prevent you from accepting death and i have to admit that my experience with death is extremely limited um but it seems like in my current early 20s mentality that it would be like a beautiful thing to be able to come to terms with it before yeah. you die. And it, I think that maybe this cryopreservation thing, it's like a long shot. And also it would prevent you from really doing that. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Like there's a maturity aspect to accepting that you're going to die. 
that yeah. you want to experience and you think could make your life flourish in other ways. Right. And but the other part of that is like I could be wrong. Um and maybe I'll just like be grasping for every beautiful moment on this earth that I can. Um which which is valuable. You know, if I knew that I was going to be revived in like a thousand years even for like 10 seconds you know like th- this case scenario being i fade away i die i'm cryopreserved and i wake up a thousand years later just like in a strange hazy state to look at my like my progeny like all of my like great 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 grandchildren probably standing around and, like some scientists just to, like have a weird murmury sort of experience of like becoming conscious again after being deanimated for a thousand years and then going back to death after that like just to wake up for those like few seconds like a thousand years in the future might be worth it yeah it, cause it, would, it would feel like an instant you would you would die and then like you get to find out immediately whether it worked or not based on your like experience of it yeah damn yeah i think you know that's a really romantic way to put it and i think there's no you know that's um now i'm even more convinced (laughs) (laughs) all right dude let's do it (laughs) yeah thanks for listening to our first podcast it's been great um we sound like we're underwater in a trash can have to apologize hope you learned something and uh yeah i guess the decision as to whether or not you want to freeze your body is up to you so long as you have sufficient middle-class financial resources to do so yes thank you for tuning in and uh stay involved i'm sure we'll bring up another podcast soon peace hello there listeners this is your host elliot weisbluth thank you for tuning in to our first episode This episode was recorded in late June, and it is now late August. We are prepping for a September 10th release date, which is sure to be the date after which you will be listening to this. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at hypnothesis underscore pod. Give us a uh, follow, shout us out, do whatever. We'll say what's up. We're in the way early stages right now. I can count on one hand how many Twitter followers that we have. Maybe that'll change to two hands by next week. I guess we're going to have to see. Anyway, if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead, leave a review, give us a rating. It definitely helps or something. Um... I've been searching lots of how to optimize your podcast audience things on the internet recently on account of hosting this podcast, and they all say to beg your listeners for reviews and likes, so let me get on my hands and knees real quick and look up at you beautiful listeners and ask you in my most gracious tone of voice, please, please, leave us a review, leave us a like, we'll love you forever. Or if you don't want to do any of those things, feel free to reach out on social media and have a good old argument. We love arguing here at the Hypnothesis Podcast. Anyway, have a good one. Peace. Goodbye.